0: Many of us who ride only have a limited number of hours in the saddle each week. Sound familiar? So, how do you make the most of the time that you do have? Sure, you can go to the gym, you can do Pilates, you can work on visualization techniques, you can read books and articles on theory, but you can also do something much more simple. All you need is a pen and a journal and a little bit of strategic thinking. I'm one of your hosts, Lindsay Paulson, and in this episode of the Dressage Today podcast, I sat down with Grand Prix Dressage professional Ruth hogan paulson to chat about how to incorporate strategy and organizational skills into your riding life. It turns out that taking a little bit of time to record notes and journal about your rides can have huge benefits. For Ruth, staying organized helps her save money, plan ahead, and it even helped her identify important patterns in her horse's health. Logging notes about your horse's training, care, and development, and your goals, can also give you peace of mind and encouragement when you need it most. Plus, it's one of the most inexpensive ways to invest in your riding. Want to know more? Stay tuned. Hey there, I'm Jennifer Malachi. And I'm Lindsay Paulson. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage-related. Our conversations span the world of dressage. From leading riders to local-level dressage heroes, we're talking training advice, horse care tips, and stories to inspire your own dressage journey. Tune in, then tack up. Hey, Ruth. Thanks for joining me today. I am super excited about this particular topic. Um, We're talking about strategy and organization for uh, your ride and planning your ride, and um, I'm the kind of person who uh, likes things Color coordinated and going to the container store is one of my most favorite places. So anything about organization makes me uh, makes me excited, and when we can combine that with horses and maximizing our riding experience, I think that's that's pretty fun. So our listeners were lucky enough to hear. Some things you had to say last week in your podcast about um, choreographing freestyles and the challenge of the Americas. Um, but for our listeners who didn't get a chance to hear from you before, um, let's just begin with a little bit of a refresher on your, on your background. Um, we know you've ridden through Grand Prix. You've trained riders from intro to Grand Prix. Um, just give me a little rundown of your background.
1: Well, I started riding as a kid. My parents were not horse people. Uh, Mom got involved because she thought if I was going to ride a pony, she probably ought to know something about ponies. Uh, And it kind of grew from there from, you know, one pony and then two ponies and a two car garage and a snow fence uh, to a small farm that was built with her partner, Kathy Moulton, who was really just trying to have enough of a small facility to contain our habit and help pay for the horses and her little breeding program. Uh, and that was in the mid-70s, I think opened 75. It's called East Hill Farm. It's in Plainfield, Vermont. My mom, Jeanette Hogan, and her partner then, Kathy Martin, Kathy Moulton. Um, so it has now developed into a three-ring circus, literally, three rings, an indoor, uh, 42 stalls, and a, a hefty school program. Uh, a local boarding facility, a place that I go to, which is my real home when I'm not here in Florida. So it has really developed into uh, a program for great horsemanship, uh, all the way up to building freestyles and also competitive people at all ages and levels that's awesome. I feel like, I feel like it's not often that you find all of
0: that under one roof these days. Okay. So one thing I know that you're really focused on, um, is staying organized and being strategic as a rider. Why do you think, um, or, or do you think there are some riders who tend to kind of underestimate the importance of this? I think maybe some people just kind of throw on their boots and helmet
1: and pull the horse out of the field and say, let's go. (laughs) Yeah, I do really, but you know, it, It has to do with what you want out of it. And so that's where I started when I started thinking about how to help my riders. What are their goals? Because I have riders of all kinds, probably 50 or 60% of my students do not compete. They still have goals. They still want to learn to teach a horse to do a flying change or how to do four tempies themselves or a leg yield or post better. I mean, it really, for me, it doesn't matter what level they are. If they're committed to learning and they have goals, then I want to help them get there. So I have to be organized because I have a lot on my plate. So I always found that if I kind of mapped out my week, mapped out my my strategies, like if I was competing, looking backwards at my best scenarios and what I need to have done before things and what my horse has to be feeling and when the shoer, the farrier has to be there. And, you know, looking at the big picture is really valuable for our success because it really takes a whole team. But if you're not organized enough to know what your trends are, Are you better? Is your horse feel better after the chiropractor's here? Is he always a little sore-footed after the farrier's gone? Does he need a hack two days before you go to the show? If you don't know what your trends are, then you don't know what to do to make yourself have the best success. So I am a real planner like that, and I really encourage my students to make goals and to talk about them and to break them down into manageable pieces mm-hmm. and and look for trends. I think it's really valuable when you understand your own body and your horse's body to the best of your ability, um, that it, it makes it helpful for your training in your own mind and your trainer to be able to give you homework, to know that you understand your homework uh, I have a lot of students who ride four days a week. I have a lot of students who ride once a week. I have a lot of students who ride once a month. so i I get to see what changes in between the the, the trailer in students that I have in Vermont. Um, it really is important if if you're not just out there spending your money on your lesson and you want it to do something for you, then you need to have some plans and goals doesn't need to be competition. It just needs to be your own strategy of where you're going to get to where you want to go.
0: So what are some ways that we can implement good strategy in our riding, Um, whether that's ranging from goals to planning to uh, building skills?
1: Well, I think first making your goals, sitting down with your trainer and yourself and making goals, and then looking and seeing what actions need to be taken to achieve pieces of those goals cuz you know you've got short-term goals let's say i let's say my long-term goal is to do four tempies this year i want to move up and do the pre st george or the four three. and i want to do four tempies well first you have to be able to do a for a single flying change well my horse doesn't know that at all okay well what do i where do i have to be and do to begin to talk to my horse about flying change I have a list of 13 items that you need to be able to accomplish before we even talk about the flying change. So we break it down. We talk about walk, canter, walk. Canter with true bend. Canter with counter bend. Can I do a walk, canter, walk, counter, canter? Can I do those in walk, canter in true bend, walk, canter in counter bend? There's a list of things that I use for many, that would help you realize that we don't just go from second level and then go across a diagonal and ask for a flying change. We want to go across a diagonal and ask with an aid that the horse understands. So you're basically taking a big paragraph and you're breaking it into smaller sentences and then you're breaking those sentences down into words and then you build it back up and then you have four tempis. So that's one way that strategizing about what you want to do can be easier if you break it down into pieces that are manageable.
0: You know, it's interesting when you, when you mention, or you give the example of the one flying change and then you break down the 13 steps that go into that. I feel like not only is that like a, a require quite a lot of, um, what's the word? Like analytical thinking. But I also feel like that makes you really have to dissect your, your training as well. And the theory behind stuff too.
1: I agree with that. And I think one of the, I think one of the biggest assets I bring to my students is that I can break things down and yay, Jane Savoy, she is one of my mentors and she's brilliant at that. Um, but also that it makes you accountable, right? Because horses really by nature, they want to do what we want them to do, but you have to teach them how to do it. And and they're not going to learn how to do it by being louder. Just like if you spoke German or Russian to me, I'm not going to understand you if you speak it louder to me. So I am good at breaking down a problem or maybe it's not a problem, but a new issue or a, a new task that you want to learn or a problem. Maybe the horse comes to me with a flying change that's late. What do we need to do to fix it? And so strategic means being able to break things down and also being accountable for them. It also means um, really being focused on details. And I think sometimes we get wrapped up about, oh, I'm not making progress fast enough. And I started this with changes a year ago. I'm still not doing well. If you really and truly look, if you kept a journal and you look at where you are now and what you did a month ago and what you did three months ago, everybody that I teach is always amazed. They, you know, we're dressage writers. We get a little greedy. We get a little happy to keep going, 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 and we can't always climb up in a steep curve. Sometimes you climb and you do a plateau and you let your horse's body keep up to the brain or the brain keep up to the body. Sometimes then it's like a little ladder. So you go up, you plateau, you go up, you plateau. And when you're on a plateau, you think, but last week I did all of this. Now, now you need to settle down and let everything gel and then move on again. So I think keeping track of your progress over time is also really important.
0: I feel like that kind of um, relates to like the skills that we need to develop as riders in terms of, and you can correct me if you disagree with this, but in terms of our vision, right? Like I feel like we have to be really detail oriented about some things in very particular, but then you also have to have that ability to like zoom out and look at the big
1: picture. I agree with that. And I agree with that for your own stress level and your own horse's stress level. And I also, I really encourage my riders, like if you're not feeling it today, go on a hack, right? Because you can't really do the best you can do for your horse if you're not feeling up to it either. So sometimes we do really get overly picky and we are in a sport that is pretty picky if you're going to go out in front of the judges. I mean, we are judged from one to 10 on every single step that we take. So that's kind of asking for it, you know, that, that you're going to be picky and detail-oriented, which is certainly dressage, but you also have to be able to, to take a step back, take a breath, take a day off, take a hack, you know, whatever sort of resets you mentally and physically to be able to keep thinking in such
0: detail. When it comes down to like the nitty gritty and actually doing it and getting things done and um, and implementing some of the the goal setting and planning and the skill building, what are some tools that writers can use to be more strategy focused?
1: Um, well, one of the things that I did for my students a number of years ago out of necessity, because like I said, I'm in Vermont half the year and I'm in Florida the other half of the year. And some of my writers come with me and some of them don't. So I've always had these like the last two weeks of each season, everybody's in a little bit of a panic. You know, what am I, what are my goals? What am I supposed to be doing? What's my homework? And I would sit with every one of them and we would make their own lists. But then I realized like they don't really have a platform for it, which is why I started the Dressage Writers Journal. And it has developed over the last couple of years into something a lot more than it was, because I realized how little place there is for riders to have a platform to keep track of everything if you go to a clinic and you take a lesson and you learned a new exercise i was going to clinics with like the back of the program and taking notes Mm -hmm. right i wanted a place where i could have this stuff as um a toolbox where i could go oh i remember watching carl hester at nita last year and he did this and i wrote it down i go back and i look for it i wanted a place to keep track of how my horses were doing every day and this was something that i've done that i've encouraged my students to do like i'll come in from a ride on my horse Nebrijo um, who's had some physical issues in the past, and I would come in and say, four gold stars today, nebrijo because I got to do six changes today, or whatever it was, um, and I write it down, or I put it in my calendar, four gold stars. Well, what, why did I have four gold stars today? Did he get shod last week? Did uh, the chiropractor come? Was I feeling good? Did, you know, did, Whatever it was that happened, and again, I started looking for trends, um, which was really interesting in a couple of horses that I realized had some allergy problems when I would have like some little bit of head tossing or fussiness. Um, and then I started thinking about what is different today. And, you know, we all have these smartphones. And I go to my weather app to see what the weather's going to be. High pollen count. So I start writing down in my book, high pollen count, twitch, fussiness. No pollen, low pollen count, no problem. So I knew what to do about it, you know? So I would never, ever have noticed that had I not written it down. We have a barn full of horses and they're all personally loved by everyone that's here and their owners. So everybody is very knowledgeable about everybody's little horsey, the horse's idiosyncrasies. But I couldn't tell you if, you know, if my vet asked me, Um, well, can you tell me what happened the day before? No, not unless I have written it down. Mm -hmm. So I'm really a fan of making your own little system of checks and balances. Like, yeah, his back was sore today. Four gold stars. The farrier was here. Uh, I did the horse show. He did great. He was sweaty, extra sweaty in the trailer. It was 90 degrees. Anything that's unusual, just make a little note of it.
0: Kind of gone through times in my life where I've been very, um, like diligent about keeping a lot of notes on my horse. And then, and then I, I go through other times in my life where I'm like, oh, I don't need to be so type A about this. I just need to, you know, relax a little bit. But, you know, every time I do that, I, I always regret it because I think, oh, yeah, I can remember what I did last Thursday. And then, and then the next week rolls around, I'm like, oh, no, was that, I, I don't even know what day it is today.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's also important for, if you have one horse or two horses or like a barn full of horses, like there are here, um, also that your records are kept because in this day and age, if you are showing or competing or driving off property, you need to have your proof of vaccinations. You need to have your Coggins test. You need to have your health certificates. You need to have all that stuff in order. And if you don't know when they were taken or where your records are, you're going to be scrambling last minute. Um, also, just little things like my students are already reminding me that in April, we have our first opening date for the Vermont show. So like I have to go ahead now start looking ahead. And I, if I know what's there and I have it written in a place, I am a much less stressed person.
0: Okay, now we're going to take a quick break from the show so I can tell you about a really cool opportunity we have for our fans. Thanks to VitaFlex, you can enter to win a clinic with U.S. Dressage Olympian Adrienne Lyle at your barn with your friends and your horses. All you need to do is fill out a short form and submit a short essay on why we should choose you to win. Enter the contest and find the rules at dressagetoday.com slash winaclinic. Trust me, you don't want to miss out on this. Now, back to the show. When it comes to, you know, being thoughtful about planning and strategy, how do we account for the fact that horses are, by nature, super unpredictable and, like, laughably difficult to plan around? Well, that
1: is just something that we always say, right? It's horses. But I think if you can... Remember that horses are, in general, creatures of habit. They love a routine. The more we can help them be happy in that routine, the, we minimize all those things like banging yourself up in the paddock or, you know, slip and fall out on the trail, whatever it is, horses are horses and they tend to do things without us that, you know, get themselves into trouble or pull a shoe or, oh, I go out to catch Nebrijo in the morning to ride, but he's already pulled the shoe off. You know, those things just happen. But I think if we can really try to stay within the horse's routine. And uh, I talk about that, like horses in nature, how do horses want to be in nature? And I'm, you know, I, I'm an advocate of natural horsemanship in the way that I like to, uh, I like to help my horses learn and be the way that they would think in nature. That doesn't mean they're turned out all day and barefoot, but that means that uh, when I want to teach them something, I want to I want to understand how they're thinking and how they're understanding me, which is how I like to break things down into small chunks for them. And I think that has also to do with the management on a day-to-day basis, you know, feeding hay many times a day, keeping them thinking, keeping them busy uh using the small hay hole net bag, so they're always munching, helping prevent as much ulcers as you can, helping keep tendons and ligaments and bone density, and all those things with cross training so it's kind of a rambling statement there, but I think looking at the big picture for your horse in terms of what they need to be as comfortable as horses can be doing this dressage um, is super important. And I have a couple that I would love for them to stay out longer and they don't want to stay out longer. So they get to come in. They also go out for another hand walk or a hand graze or a hack, something that keeps them moving, something that keeps them from being bored. And then hurting themselves doing something, you know, I mean, I'm a, I love turnout and I'll, I try to turn mine out as much as they want to be out, but there are horses that just don't want to be outside the hot, the bugs, whatever. Um, then they come in, they do something else. When we kind of shift the focus from the horse to the rider,
0: um, you know, say for example, you have a student who set a particular goal and then life happens they don't end up reaching that goal in the timeframe that they had liked. Um, Cause I, I think maybe that's kind of why we're afraid to set goals sometimes is, is the fear of the failure that we're not going to make it. But I mean, um, obviously there's ways to overcome that. How, how do you either comfort a student or yourself when they've set a goal and,
1: and not, not reached it? Mm, that's a good question because I think that it would very absolutely per person or horse and i have a lot of different kinds of students um with with you know some are competitive and some are not i think that i think that the learning in failing is also going back to see what we could change for the next time what we can look at um did everything go fine and you meant to get your bronze but you got a 59 like your horse didn't get injured or you didn't get injured or something that maybe you had a family crisis. I mean, those things happen that you can't do anything about. And then you start again. And that's sort of my, um, feeling is that if, if something got in your way, then we need to figure out what was in the way. Can we do something about it? Or was it just a, a you know, a life happening that then you regroup and restart? Or was it something like, well, Um, the trend of the judges was lower today and you got a 59.8 and we needed a 60. So do we then try to go to another show? Do we then say, look, you did the best you could do today and your horse did the best you could do. There's no need to do it again because you achieved what you needed to do. I think those are all going to be very individual answers based on, the horse and the rider and life. It would be great if somebody had all the answers to that, right? I would. <laughs> um, okay, so shifting away
0: from when we talk about when things go wrong, and we talk about uh, when when they go right. Um, you know, this this um, system and and kind of way of thinking that you've had of you know kind of incorporating journaling into your riding life. Um, could you give a specific example of how either this has helped you in your own riding or with a client?
1: Yeah. Um, I will talk about my horse Nibriho again with the four stars. Um, and he also happens to be the one that has an allergy. Um, and so because I was keeping track of what he was doing. He'd also had an injury to his hyoid bone about four years ago. So this injury to the hyoid bone changed some of the dynamics of his sinuses and some of the facial nerves. And we had a really hard time figuring out all this because it was so unusual. And it was only by what I was feeling and writing down and looking at the trends did I come to an idea that maybe we need to do some deeper diagnostics in his head, in the back of his throat and some allergy testing so that it all came together. And we made a realization that was sort of an example for a, an illness issue. Um, for my own riding, um, I also keep track cause I have a bad shoulder and I have a bad knee. And I think every pro dressage rider has a tight back here and there. Um, When You know when you get your foot in the stirrup and you sit in the saddle and you go, yes, feels right, feels good. And then some days I get in the saddle and I'm like, oh, my back is really bothering me today. I'm going to need to walk 10 more minutes. I started keeping track of how I was feeling as well as what my horses were doing. And that was a really big eye-opener for me of really pushing myself to do more stretching to see the massage therapist, to ice my knee. You know, we do all this for the horses every single day, and we, we don't take care of our own bodies enough. And I still don't. So I still have to, you know, think about that. But I started seeing a trend with how I was riding, how the horses were going, and how at the end of, a competition if I have ten or so students and I'm running around and I'm riding my bike back and forth to the rings to coach everybody by the time I got on to ride my own it wasn't happening so I had to start to prioritize when I show if I'm showing what's more important right now do the do, do I go to a different show how do I incorporate all of that to keep my physical body happy as well as my horse's body so keeping track of that in my journal was also helpful, um, and also just for my own show dates and entry dates, um, I'm lucky to have a great barn manager, and she helps me with that, Emily Goddard, uh, who is, you know, really keeps me on point of saying, we have to have entries in for this week, but there's a place for that in the journal, where if I'm looking at, what I need to have done to qualify for something. If I have that all right in front of me with all my dates right in front of me, I don't have to keep flipping through again. It just keeps me a little saner and a little more organized. So I feel like I'm in charge of it instead of last minute, you know, eight o'clock in Vermont. If we don't enter the shows on the opening day, you might not get in because they, there's only a few. So this you know they only can take us so many horses so if the last thing I want is at 10 o'clock at night the night before opening night realizing we have to have six horses entries in and we don't have everything we need so it makes me happy to be organized it's nice to have the feeling that you own
0: your schedule rather than the fact that your schedule owns you (laughs) I I know that feeling (laughs) both of them unfortunately well, great. This has been this has been a really fun conversation. Thank you for um sharing all that with me. Um for our listeners who want to find out more about you and uh look more into um the journal that you have, can you just tell them where
1: to find that? Sure. Again, I have uh www.ruthhoganpoulson.com, and that's p o u l s e n. And the dressage rider's journal is available on Amazon and on Bar- at Barnes and Noble online. Um, so I'm excited about that, and I'll thank Ariana Marshall for helping me put that together. And um, there's also the jumper rider's journal, which has evolved in a similar way for the jumpers. Uh, but with flat work and exercises and poles, I'm not teaching anybody how to jump. I'm teaching them how to elasticize. And a lot of my dressage riders this year have really commented that they want more of those exercises in the journal next year. So I will be adding those. Um, and I, I found it's it's been really helpful with my own students for them to come in after a lesson and say, you know, I didn't really understand this haunches in. I did it, but can you show it to me? So we write down a diagram or maybe they misunderstood something I said, but if they write it down and I can go over it with me, with them, that I know they're getting their value for their lesson because they're going to go home and practice it the way I went as intending them to practice it. So that was another reason why I really got started with writing down, making places for people to write down things with dressage arena diagrams, uh, there's figures, there's all your geometri- geometrical movements in the book, um, and just a place for them to come to me or me to say, hey, could we write that zigzag down? Because last week you were also off two meters, maybe we need to look at the geometry. So it just gave us a platform to put it in front of us when we weren't on the horse to, to lay it out to make it more understandable.
0: Over the years, I remember uh, for dressage today we've worked with several sports psychologists, um, and well, actually, people in all sorts of educational areas. But I feel like one of the themes that reemerges is like, you know, yeah, okay, we can we can internalize this stuff by listening, or we can internalize things by watching, um, and you know, you can write things down in a word document but one of the things that really helps people process things on a new level is putting pen to paper and and writing things out and um i i certainly see how that changes things in my own life um so it, you know it's nice to nice to see opportunities for us to be able to continue learning through that with especially helpful tools.
1: Yeah, I think it is too. And, you know, people learn so many different ways, like you said. And um, if I'm giving a lesson, I'm also teaching in different ways. Some people, like you said, with visual, uh, I might do a demonstration or they might do it by feel so they they can feel it. Some need to see it. Um, And this gives just another way for you as an individual to – put in your own words how your learning worked today. How did your horse understand it? Did you have to do it different from left to right to make it the same? You know, I think it just gives you a good platform to break things down. And that's where I feel um, sometimes people people miss the big, they they miss the big picture because they don't break things down into manageable pieces. And those manageable pieces are what you can be in charge of and what you can be in control of with your horse.
0: Something I've been working a lot on in my own kind of personal riding journey is, is, you know, remembering to take things one day at a time. Just, just like, like you said, breaking those things down. Um, so cool. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much. This is really fun
1: honored to be here and it was really great to meet you
0: so now head over to dressagetoday.com and you can find links to ruth's dressage riders journal and you can find more articles that will help you maximize your time with your horse for example in sports psychologist dr jenny susser's article how to maximize rides when you have minimal time she shares physical mental and emotional tips to help you progress in your riding even when you're short on time If you'd like to hear more from Ruth Hogan Paulson, check out our last podcast episode in which we heard about her work creating freestyles and how she led Team Winged Foot to victory in this year's Challenge of the Americas in Wellington, Florida. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. You can learn more from Dressage Today and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com. Or you can visit our new training video site, Dressage Today On Demand, To learn more, visit ondemand.dressagetoday.com. And for daily dressage training tips and advice, give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Happy riding!